You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. We have a God who loves us and who is called to take that love to this very broken, very needy world. And so the way we do that, in part, is through what we call here at Grace Community Outreach. And it's one of the reasons why we do Advent Conspiracy. But if you're newer to our church family, first off, welcome. We're really glad you're here. And secondly, please know that you are going to be joining with a church family and a community that takes this seriously. God's called us to love him, to love other people, to reach people for him, to develop people for him. And one of the ways we do that is through community outreach. It's a high value to us. And it has actually been one of the reasons why some of you have come to Grace and have landed here and become a part of this church family is because this is an important value to you. And I'd like to introduce you to one of those stories. This is a family that has come to Grace in no small part because of our focus on community outreach. And I'd like you to hear their story. So let's roll that. My name's Al Fogel, this is my wife, Ruthie. Uh, we've attended Grace Church for a couple years now. We were introduced to the church through an involvement that I had with the Historic Southeast Neighborhood Association. Responsibility with that is to put on the summer picnic. And we were having trouble finding volunteers in the neighborhood to help us put that together. One of the past presidents of the association had made notes that Grace had been involved and helped supply volunteers for that. The involvement um, that they were willing to give to the neighborhood night out picnic was amazing. It just really showed the hearts of the people and we thought that's the kind of place we want to be involved in. And with backpack ministries, with the work day when everybody showed up down there at the school and and did a bunch of chores at the school to get it started. And it was because of that heart that those people had to give back to the community and to be involved in the neighborhood and just their willingness to serve other people that just blew me away. And I said, this is the kind of church that uh, Ruthie and I have been wanting to be involved in for a long time. started going to Grace Community because of the volunteers and the example that they had given to the community and just their outreach and showing the love of Jesus to other people. I think that's a great story because that's our story. That's who we are and that's what we want to be about. And for the benefit of our folks who will be listening in our online community, thankfully we are not the only church in East County who also takes this seriously. There are a number of churches in East County that are reaching out to this community 
with the love of Jesus Christ. But we really see this series as an opportunity to not only introduce those of you who are newer to Advent Conspiracy to what that is, but also to underscore why we do the things that we do here. Why do we do Vacation Bible School, Backpack Blessings, Foster Parent Night Out, and the innumerable outreach um, things that we do to take the love of Jesus to this community. Well, this series is focused on the why behind that. And we'll look at this value that is a part of Advent Conspiracy, but is also really a value we're called to live out all year round. And it's this value of giving more and giving more relationally. So what does that look like? What does it mean to give more of yourself relationally? Well, that's where we're going to go Um, in this passage today. So if you have a Bible, whip it out. If you have your phone or tablet, however you get there, then do that and go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 9 through 16. We won't be able to cover every single verse because this is so loaded and so practical and applicable for us. If you were with us a couple weeks ago when we started this series, we started in Romans chapter 12, looking at that value, that idea, that reality of worshiping fully. And after Paul has spent some time explaining that, now as he was writing this part of the letter, he's going to get extremely practical and talk about this is what it means to live this value out. And this really gathers around this idea of family. Now, family is important to a number of you, probably all of you in some way, shape, or form. If you were with us last week, Gabe showed us that national poll that was put out that asked, especially in relation to Christmas, what is it that makes Christmas meaningful for you? And in that poll, over three-quarters of the people who answered said, family is what is most meaningful to me about Christmas. And that's a good thing, and and that's great. But what does it mean for us to love this family? What does it mean to love each other as a church family? What does it mean and what does it look like to export that, to take that, to transfer that, to, to go out in the community and love the community in a similar way? Well, Paul's going to begin to define that in this passage, and I'll read it to you here. This is where he dives in and gets real practical. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. So let's begin to to work our way through that passage and it starts out with love must be sincere. And interestingly, in the original language this was written in, this word has a root that was often applied to someone who was an actor or who was in a play or who was play acting. And basically what Paul is saying very, very clearly here is, yeah, this isn't something that you play at. This isn't something that you fake. He's literally saying, don't play the part. Act the part. Don't pretend. Be authentic. Be real in how you love other people. And now he begins to define what that really looks like. And he says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. 
And honestly, before I gave this some more focused study in my preparation for our time here this morning, I always associated this with like what I watch, what I'm involved in, what I'm thinking about, and it does apply to all that, to be sure. But what he's actually talking about here is overlaying this on our relationships. In our relationships with one another, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So that's in part what it means to love sincerely. So let's, let's take that for a test drive for a minute. Is love an emotion? Yeah. Sometimes. All the time? No. But it's always a choice. Sometimes an emotion, but always a choice. Always, always, always. Because there are times we don't feel like loving someone, right? I mean, there are times my wife Jamie, I'm sure, does not feel like loving me because I'm not acting real lovable. I know that's shocking. I know that's really hard to believe. But sometimes I am extremely unlovable by what I say, what I do, what I don't do. Same's true for you. And the people in your life and mine at that point are confronted with a choice. If they don't feel like loving us, which is probably reasonable, they have to decide if they're going to choose to love us anyway. Now we're going somewhere. Because this kind of love, what love really is, is the fuel for all our relationships. It's the fuel for your marriage if you're married. It's a fuel for your family. It's a fuel for your friendships. And he says here that in part what this love looks like is to hate what is evil. Now when you hear the word hate, what do you think? Whoa, pretty, pretty strong word and a pretty strong emotion. But he's not really talking about emotion here. This idea of hate means to have nothing to do with that. It means to avoid it. It means to abhor it. It means to absolutely not be connected to it in any way. What this basically is saying is that to hate evil in a relationship means to never accommodate or compromise when it comes to sin. For those of us who are conflict avoidant or conflict averse or who don't like conflict, sometimes we fall into this trap that we think we're being loving to not steer into something, to not confront something, to not talk about something that is wrong. And this is actually saying the opposite of that. This is saying if you want to give more relationally, if you want to love fully, sometimes the most loving thing to do is to confront something or is to say no or is to set a boundary because sincere love never accommodates what is broken and what is evil and what is sinful. And our example is God himself. Think with me back to Genesis chapter three. When Adam and Eve choose to disobey God, when they choose not to trust him, not to take him at his word, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin and brokenness and death enters the world, they hide from God. Remember that? And God comes looking for them. And what does he ask them? Where are you? Now he's God, right? 
He's the God of the universe, and he does not know where they are hiding? How does that work? Well, it's because that's not the real question. He's God. He knows where they're hiding. No, that question is far deeper than that. It's a question of the heart. It's a question of relationship. It's a question of emotion. He is confronting them by asking a question. Where are you? Because he knows exactly where they are. And in their brokenness, he comes to them. He's not accommodating the evil that has now happened. He's steering right into it and confronting it. One of our guys in one of our mini men's groups came up to me last week um, in between services and said, you know, Pastor Jay, something I want you to know is when you preached on this in the sexuality series and you preached through Genesis 3 and we talked about this where are you idea, he said, we've adopted that as a group in how we hold one another accountable. And we will look each other in the eye and on a regular basis, we will ask, where are you? Because that's how we're trying to call each other to to right living with God and with each other. And I was so blessed by that because that's exactly how God approaches us. You see, sometimes we think we're being really loving to accommodate something that's evil or wrong or broken and this is actually saying the opposite of that. That's not being loving, that's giving a license to sin. And true love never truly does that. It involves speaking the truth in love, and those are never separated in God's word and in God's character. But there's a balance to this. It also says cling to what is good. And do you know what that word means in the original language, cling? Yeah, it means cling. It means you hang on with both hands. You do not compromise on this. You do not let go of it. You hold fast to it. And we live in this culture that delights in focusing in on what's broken, what's wrong, what's not working, what needs to change. And this value, this reality says, no, you cling to what is good in your relationships. So again, let's take this for a test drive and think through how this looks practically. When is the last time with someone significant in your life, your spouse, a family member, a friend, a coworker, whatever label you want to put on that relationship, when's the last time you've looked for the good in them and called that forth? You know what? You're so this, and I love that about you. That, that's what this is talking about. And do you see the balance here? Never compromise, never accommodate brokenness and sin, but at the same time, that is balanced by looking for and clinging to the good in our relationships as well. Because this is about really being devoted to one another in love. And in some translations, this says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And I think that helps us get our hands even more around what's being talked about here. Because when you and I say love, It's a very elastic word in the English language, right? We have one word for love, and it's love. So I love ice cream. Uh, I love it when my teams win. Seattle won. Um, The Beavers won. The Ducks won. The Blazers won. It's like heaven in one week. (laughs) And I love my dog. I have two dogs. I don't love the cat. I'm not even going to use that one. (laughs) I love 
my wife, I love my kids, I love you, I love being your pastor, I love God's word, and I love plaid. But those are different kinds of love. And the language that the New Testament was written in was a language that was more specific than ours, and they had a number of words for love. And this word for love in this passage is talking about this idea of a love that is natural and innate and intuitive. You're not taught it, you're not instructed in it, it's just there and you know how to do it. It's the kind of love, by example, between a mother and her child, a mother and a baby. You do not have to tell a baby, love your mother. A baby knows their mother. And in the best of cases, the mother knows and loves her, her baby, obviously. And that's the kind of love that's being talked about here. It's a familial love. And so we're called to love one another with that kind of love. So let's take this down the road of application. And I talked about this in my Facebook sermon preview this week for those of you who haven't heard this. Let's ask ourselves a question. For those of you who have siblings, brothers and sisters, did you choose them? Did you choose your brothers and sisters? Did my five sisters choose me? And what we would all probably say is, it depends on the day if I would have, right? Ask me later. But without answering that question, but just wrestling with that for a minute, do we choose our family? Do we choose our siblings? And the answer is no. But the irony here is, where are our closest relationships supposed to be? In our families. With people you don't necessarily get to choose. Now let's take that down the road for a test drive. If you could choose your siblings to be in that close of a relationship with them, to be friends with them, would you? Don't answer that. Don't hurt feelings here. But would you? Because isn't another layer of irony in this is some of the people who are most different from you, your family, your siblings. And yet, there is a familial love that this passage is calling us to as a church family. So here we go. You probably did not choose the people who are a part of this church to be some of your closest relationships because they are so different from you. And you, you just wouldn't naturally probably choose them to be your friends, and yet we are called to love one another with the depth of love that you find within a family. We have a bond between us through Jesus Christ that supersedes our differences, our education levels, our life experiences, our ethnicities. It's part of what makes us mysterious to this broken world around us. The world should look at you and me and our church and the church all over the world and say, how in the world does that work? Do you see how different those people are? But look how much they love each other. You know, that's one of the reasons why we create opportunities like this potluck or convivio, as we call it in Spanish, um, this afternoon at one o'clock, is 
we're trying to pull our church family together to, to have some food together. And then that third hour, two o'clock worship service is going to be in Spanish and English. It's going to be a combined service for those of you who want to come back for that. Because again, we're, we're celebrating that we are different and yet we love each other. Because this is all about community. And it has a lot of different looks. And one of those looks is talked about here. We are called to share with the Lord's people who are in need and to practice hospitality. And before we read past that, we really need to appreciate what truly is being said here because the manner, the way in which this is written has an assumption behind it. And here it is. The assumption is this. What you have, your time, your money, your resources, your relationships don't just belong to you anymore. In fact, prior in this passage, Paul will say really clearly, we belong to each other. You see, when you entered into a right relationship with God through knowing and receiving Jesus Christ into your life, you entered into a family and now you are bonded and you are connected and you belong to them and they belong to you. So once again, the practical application of this is If there is a need in our church family that you or I have the resources to help with and to do something about, we do something about it. Because my resources no longer just belong exclusively to me. They belong to you as my family. And in our Western individualistic thinking, that is so weird to many of us. We just don't see ourselves or see one another that way. But that's exactly what this is calling us to live out. When you read in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 and it talks about that the believers were together and shared everything, that was the practical expression of this. And some of you might think, oh, well, that's socialism. No, this isn't, this isn't that. This is talking about life within the church community, not a system of government. This is talking about what real life familial relationships in the family of God look like. And it's remarkable and it's designed to be Remarkable. And so a number of you get this already with how you spend your time, how you give relationally. If you'll remember last week when Pastor Gabe preached, we asked you to respond um, to this, and it was this. What Christmas traditions do you have that focus on spending time with others? And almost all of you, as you rightfully should have said, talked about Christmas traditions that involve your immediate family, stuff you do as a family, and that that is so good. But I was pleasantly surprised and blessed by the number of you who don't just invest time and spend time with your immediate family around Christmas time. You look to invest and to give to others. And here's some of the ways, a representation of what you talked about. There were many others. But... This mom actually talked to me in the last service and said, yeah, that was me you were talking about. But she puts together food boxes for the homeless and has her five kids help deliver them. This other person arranges a white elephant gift exchange for financially strapped youth. They pair it with a potluck, words of encouragement for each teen, and you have blessed kiddos. And they've been doing it for 30 years. This person helps overwhelmed moms with young kids do laundry, clean house, and dishes. And they play Christmas music and sing as they do that. And I bet there's a lot of young moms that would think that is all right. This person bakes for care centers and gives out cookies as they sing Christmas carols. This person takes FaceTime and uses it to connect the elderly and dying with their family and grandkids. It takes just time, a little organization, and a steady arm. 
This person visits shed-ins and elderly. They sing Christmas carols, make cards, gifts, read, visit, and they've been doing this for 45 years. Those are all examples of helping others and giving to others, which is, which is really the heart behind Advent conspiracy. This is meant to be an illustration and an example and an opportunity for us to do this, but really what we're talking about here with Advent conspiracy is a way of life for us all year. Giving more relationally by example. Now, for those of you who are Advent conspiracy veterans, you can probably let the next couple minutes go by, but for those of you who are gonna be listening in our online community or who are here this morning and newer to Advent conspiracy, you need to understand this because this is a really key part of it. There are two values that we really try to go after when it comes to giving more with Advent conspiracy. One is financial and one is relational. On the financial side, where the money comes from for living water and the well that you heard about, what we do here in the community with um, Embrace Oregon that works with foster families, our own care fund that we use to help people here and outside the community, um, the Advent Conspiracy Party, all that is funded by us pooling our resources to do that. Now, here's the deal. If your family is like mine, you live and die by a budget. And there are a number of you who give to the mission and vision here, that very offering that we took earlier here. And that needs to be your first priority because that fuels and funds everything we do around here. But you give to that. You give to our care fund. Maybe some of you even give to Backpack Blessings or some of the other entities we do in addition to that. We understand and we realize that you don't have the financial resources to now give to one other thing. And so part of the idea behind Advent Conspiracy is for you to look at your Christmas traditions and to decide how you can modify those, change those, or even maybe start a new one to generate some resources to give towards Advent Conspiracy. And I'll just give you an example. In my family, 10 years ago, when we started Advent Conspiracy, we thought, how are we going to do this? Because we'd like to, but, but we don't have a magic fund where this money is going to come from for Advent Conspiracy. We give to these other areas. And so we collectively decided we would modify one of our traditions, which was stockings. We've always had stockings. We had a budget for those. We chose instead of spending money on the stockings, to take that money and to pool it together, and that's what we would give towards Advent Conspiracy. And in place of that, instead of doing away with stockings, we then landed on the other value of relational and thought, how can we make this more relational? So we began to make coupons for one another, to to do stuff with one another, or to spend time together, or to have experiences together, or to do chores for one another. And we used those throughout the course of the entire year as a way to spend time together and as a way to give more relationally to one another. And it was something that we looked forward to and was a lot of fun to do. And there are a number of you who do this, and you've been doing it for years. So for those who are newer to Advent Conspiracy or who are looking for ideas on how to participate in Advent Conspiracy in this way, I'd like you to take out your phones and I'd like you to open your browser and go to this address this week. It's meet.ps forward slash give more. And I'd like you to respond to this. How have you modified or changed Christmas traditions to financially support Advent Conspiracy? And this is the commitment I'll make to you. We will publish all these next week. So you can see how some of you have been participating in Advent Conspiracy and and, and doing this and capturing these two values of 
giving financially to this, but also giving more relationally to, to one another. But I'll tell you something. There's something about sacrificing a little bit for this and knowing that next year when we come back to you and Julie's with us hopefully again talking about the next well that has gone in somewhere around the world that gives water to people every day, that you can say, I had a part of that. That well's there because I gave to it. What's happening in the community here with Embrace Oregon, I helped give to that, and on it goes. But really, at the end of the day, this is about doing life together. If you were to take one value and overlay this entire passage, I think this is what would capture it, is this is about doing life together. And here's one of the practical ways that Paul talks about that. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I think that is so applicable during Christmas. Do we have reason to rejoice at Christmas time? Oh, people, you're killing me. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't Christmas truly about the greatest story that has ever been told and that is real. It is not a fairy tale. It is not a fable. This is reality. That the God of the universe loves you and I so much that rather than leaving us stuck in our brokenness and sin, owing us nothing but punishment and consequences for our sin, instead chooses to do something about it. He comes to earth as a human being in the form of Jesus Christ. He shows us what life is all about. What does the spirit-filled life really look like? What's the blessed life that God promises to us? He models that to us. And then, at the end of his life, he voluntarily sacrifices himself, dies on a cross in my place and yours, to take away and remove our brokenness and instead to give us the power for right relationship with God through right relationship with him and gives us this incredible blessed life now and promises a blessed life in the future. That's a little better. We have a lot to rejoice with. And I hope that if you're in town, you can join us for our candlelight Christmas Eve services. We're working on those. We're working on our Christmas series that will kick off here in December. I'm really excited about it. Those candlelight services will be at 3, 4, 30, and 6. Shameless plug. I will not apologize. We hope you can be there. But it will be amazing because we have a lot to rejoice about. But this is also a time to mourn. Because of my proximity to you as one of your pastors, I could easily list for you a dozen people who have lost someone this last year in our church family. For a number of you, someone is going to be missing this year at Christmas. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to be hard. And for a number of you, you have lost someone in previous years. And every Christmas is a painful reminder This is unfortunately a universal experience in many ways that we're all going to face. So as a way of giving more of yourself, loving more fully, could you look around this next month and would you send a note or make a comment or be a presence for someone who is mourning? I can tell you it, it will mean so much because that's what we do as family. When it's time to rejoice, we put the party on. And when it's time to mourn, we're there. And we do that too. When you've had someone come alongside you and love you in that way, when you've had someone come to you and give to you, 
give of their time, give their presence, give to you with how you need it. It's very humbling, but it's also very life-changing. And it's humbling to be that person asking for help and then receiving that help. But at some point, you're gonna need that from someone here in this church family. And that is actually an act of maturity to ask for help and then to receive it. Many of you know that my dad had um, surgery um, for an aneurysm in his left leg. There was an aneurysm behind his left knee. My dad's 88 years old. It's a very significant surgery for him. He's now in a rehab center um, in his recovery on the other side of town. I was just there to see him yesterday. And his incision literally runs from his groin all the way to his ankle. It runs the entire length of his leg because they had to harvest the vein and then, of course, had to get in there and and do the bypass. It's an incredibly difficult surgery for a man of that age to recover from. And the reality is he's going to come home, which is a good thing. But then it begs the question, how are we going to get him in the door? Because he's either coming home in a wheelchair or very unsteady on a walker. And so it means we need some kind of ramp to get into my parents' house. And I know this has been coming, and there were some things percolating out there that there were possibly some neighbors who could step in and who wanted to do this, but it just hadn't been happening. And so I told my mom and dad, okay, I'll I'll do it, and had fully planned on doing it. But if I build it, uh, it'll be okay, I hope. (laughs) Yeah, real confidence building, right? So I happened to be talking to one of our elders about this, Scott Copeland, and Scott... um, and his former life was, um, I, the easiest description is um, he was a construction contractor. I mean, he was just been around all the trades. He can literally do anything. Very, very gifted. And as I was thinking around the table of our elders on our team, practically all of them are just as handy. I mean, they're just an amazing crew. Um, but all that being said, Scott and I were talking about this, and he said, well, I'll help. And I said, great. If you'll just you know, draft up the plans and help me figure out. no. I'll come. I'll build it for you. You just be the labor. I'll do it. I said, okay. This was three days later. I said, Scott, the only time, the only bandwidth I have to do this is this Saturday. And he said, I'm there. I'll change my plans. I'll come. I'll do it. He shows up early on my doorstep that Saturday morning. We trek across town to the west side. He literally takes out a pad of paper, looks at the porch area that I'm about to show you in just a minute, visions what needs to be done, writes out a material list. We go to Lowe's. We load up with everything we need. We come back and we start in. And this is how we started out. So there's Scott, you know, starting things off and we're cutting like crazy and putting things together. And then it began to take shape like this. And then it began to look like this. And then for the benefit of the folks who will be listening to this online, this fourth picture now, it's nighttime, and we're still going. And finally, well into the evening, we finished it, and this was it. Yeah. Do you think I'm more motivated to avail myself to help someone if I can in some way, shape, or form? Yeah. Because when you're on the receiving end of someone helping you, it it really does change you. 
And the folks in my parents' neighborhood, they're, they're pretty connected there. They've lived in that neighborhood a long time. And all of them have been coming by and going, oh, this looks so great. Oh, who did this? And um, it's pretty fun for them to say, yeah, our son, but really most of it was done by a friend. Oh, well, he's family too? No, he's not. He's just a friend of our son's. But he is family. And he's my family because we are a church family. And so as we prepare to worship and celebrate this God who calls us into his family, the way you get into this family is you ask. You ask the God of the universe to come into your life through the spirit of Jesus Christ and you're in. That's it. And there may be someone who's listening to this in the room or online who isn't quite sure if they're in God's family. Well, this is how you can know. Is you ask him to enter into his family and then you do. And now you enter into this wonderful family of completely different people who love each other, who are devoted to one another and who do life together. And that's the family that we're all offered here this morning. So would you join me in praying and thanking God for this family as we give him our heart here this morning? Lord, I pray for anyone who's listening to this who isn't sure if they're a part of your family, isn't truly sure that they know you as their God, that right now they would say to you, God, I want to be a part of your family. I invite you to come into my life. I want you in my life. And God, I thank you that you want to do that for all of us. And God, for those of us who do know you, we celebrate a God who has called us into his family and makes us family together. And Lord, thank you that that happens through us giving you our hearts. And once again, we give you our hearts here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, we want to remind you, and again, especially for the benefit of our online community, um, we'd love to hear your Advent Conspiracy tradition ideas at meet.ps forward slash give more, and that will remain open until noon tomorrow, so you can think about that, but we'd love to have you uh, weigh in on that. And uh, Pastor Gabe, I think we call it a potluck because you never know what you're going to get, so it is a little bit of a gamble. Yep. No, that's not true. It is going to be a convivio. It is going to be an opportunity for us to be together. What's that? I just what, what you were bringing. What, I, what I'm bringing? Um, it's a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, it's a surprise. Something I made myself at Safeway. So, um, so you've got time to go home or to go to Safeway. I'll meet you there in 10 minutes. And get what you're going to bring. Um, and come back at 1, and then at 2 o'clock, we will have our combined Spanish and English service. And it's, it's fun to worship in two languages and to try to hear me say things that Gabe can't translate. That's really fun, too. So we hope we get to see you later this afternoon. If we don't, we hope we get to see you next weekend. But I'd like to leave you with these very words that we were wrestling with and learning from together this morning. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. 
and rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So let's go from here loving one another and loving this community that way. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for each person here and thank you that together we are family. And so God, we ask that as we go from here, as we live our lives this week, you would give us opportunities to love other people the way you have first loved us. And God, thank you that the bond we share together through you is a bond that is significant, it is real, and it is life-changing. And we thank you for that. We love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. We'll see you later this afternoon, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.